Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Friday, July 7th in the year 2023. Just a few minutes, I'm going to bring on a guest, which is a little different than we've had on Friday nights, but I thought it'd be nice for a change. We're going to bring on the infamous barbecue master himself, Jim Conley. And we'll get to that in just a moment. One thing right now, for sure, make sure you're doing all you can to protect your wealth. That's real. This uh, crazy cabal we're dealing with is on a rampage, and they are literally out to destroy everything we have. So that's why we've got Birch Gold. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. And Patriots, one of those things while we're on the topic, make sure you also have a good plan for the family. Keep your skills up. Patriots, right now, many Americans are feeling powerless. The economy isn't stable. Crime continues to plague our communities. And those in charge don't seem to even care. There's something empowering about knowing that you have the skills to defend yourself, and that's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and you still have a ton of practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, increase reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so that you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com right now. Again, 10% using your promo code BARDS, plus free shipping when you go to itargetpro.com. Don't rely on the government to make you feel safe. Empower yourself with iTargetPro. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Offer code is BARDS. Yeah, I'm like sitting here and they say, they always say that like, eh, we've got even 223 and I'm looking over here going, you better have 45 ACP, baby. Anyway, just saying, just saying. It's, it's my love. It's like my bedtime teddy bear. It's wonderful. Anyway, we're going to bring on the infamous Jim Conley. Jim, are you on? I am, man. It's infamous. Infamous. You are, man. You are the barbecue master. What's going on, brother? How are you? You doing good? I'm doing well, man. 
what a great week what a great week it was you know we get to celebrate the the declaration of independence we'll get to see a celebrated document that guys wrote and then decided to fight eight years for and then we had the movie come out um sound of freedom you had a you had a great interview with um with uh with doc and after the the day that you guys saw it i saw it yesterday and let me tell you if you guys haven't seen it um be ready it's intense it's intense but it's good it's good and i think it's done really really well no wonder hollywood didn't want that movie coming out right well especially since their entire industry is built on exploiting trafficking raping abusing children i don't know what to say i mean that's let's get real yep that's pretty much it you know, I, I think the the thing that I find interesting because I've been reading um, and watching and listening to a lot of testimonies of this whole thing, and I find it interesting, this film itself is not that detailed. It provides glimpses at a problem that would take literally volumes to cover. But be, I think because the personalization of it, and I also think because people have been through so much in the last couple of years, they they it's a value shift that they're going through. Plus I'm going to say it, this film is blessed by the Holy spirit because it is getting right into people's hearts. You have men that are crying. You have crowds that are dead silent that are hanging on to the very last second of that film. It's like it has restructured values. I listened to a testimony tonight and the woman's like, I walked in the car after the film. I sat in the car for five minutes and I reassessed all my trivial little things that I get upset on over my life. And I'm like, the kids are all that matters. That is truly God's message right there. hundred percent. You know, and, and one of the things that I noticed as I was watching it, you know, the focus is on, um, you know, Jim Caviezel's character, Tim Ballard, um, the characters that are around him that help him and, and the backgrounds that they come from. You had uh, the guy that was, you know, former cartel guy, did his time in, in prison, came back out, had his own epiphany his own meeting with God really um, after his time with that, that young girl that he thought was older and turned out not to be, and then saw her dead soul in her eyes. And that worked uh, on his heart. And then he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to save these kids. But one of the things that I noticed, you know, without giving the movie away, there were people in the background in these areas where the kids are or where they're working and operating. And, and that's what I thought of from when I was watching that it, it is the kids. And then that you're focused on and the characters, but there are all of these other people, smaller, younger people that are in the movies, they're called extras, but in life, they're no different than those kids too. Um, and remember in the latter part of the movie, and um, when he went looking and had to go in the river, that's all I'm going to tell you if you haven't seen it. Those people working there, they're not there necessarily of their own volition either. And um, I'm telling you, there is a there is a there is a polar shift that has occurred because of this movie. You feel it. I know it. I hear it in your voice when we talk. Um I've sensed it for a bit and I've kind of gotten that from you. And I think the direction that you are going, that God's put on your heart and you're following it diligently is going to be impactful. It's just going to be huge. And uh, man, there's going to be a lot of people coming along. The sad thing is, is there going to be a lot of people that are going to turn away. 
Well, they don't want to hear it. That's all right. And I mean, I, you know, it, Gideon, you know? Gideon was, here's how I see it, because the story of Gideon is pretty relevant here, because we have, what does he have, 30,000 to start with, and then God asks the question, you know, if you have anything bothering you, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and simplifying, right. but if you have anything bothering in your heart, go home. And they just leave, and he's down to like <laughs> ten grand, you know, ten thousand, five, five thousand, something. My numbers are way off, so forgive me because I'm not looking at it, and it's been a while since I've read it. Right. But but I mean, the point is that story. He loses two thirds of his entire force, and you could just you have to kind of put yourself in the place of Gideon for a minute because he's really happy with all the number of people that have come out, numbers wise. You know he is. You're feeling content. You feel like you've got an army that can stand up. And God knows that army is not going to hold up. It's not going to hold up. So he asks them the question, and they all go. And then they do the drinking of water, and he gets down to, he selects down to 300. But the part that we don't follow on enough is what happens once the 300 stand up and scatter the army because of the horns and the breaking of pots and raising of light. And what happens is once they... Once that army scatters and then they start to go into the hills, they're pursued by those that had left. And there's a big part of that, that there's some of them return back to the army. And why that's important is that they didn't, they lacked the clarity and the confidence in the middle, in the, in the beginning. They regained it by seeing the power of God work through a handful of people. I, I, I'm convinced this is a lot of what we're going to see here. Because I agree lot, with you. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, and <laughs> And it were those 300 or those people who were out front who, who initially engaged in that fight are going to have to turn around. The ones who are left are going to have to turn around and they're going to have to open their arms and accept them. That'll be difficult. I think we see that in different, different areas of our lives anyway, um, especially within the different realms that we're all trying to be involved in where people are not waking up that quickly. Um, those are the people we definitely have to be patient with. It's and that's hard. That's a that's a lesson that God teaches me sometimes a lot. Patience. You know, we want people to wake up, wake up, wake up. And there are, we have to remember there was a time when we weren't awake either. Our eyes were blind as well. And there were people way before us who were already uh in tune with how things were really uh how things really are. Oh, they had to be patient with us too, and the the ones coming. Well, I agree. And I, I think this is a, a real, there's a lot of humbling going on here. And this is where if we go really to Matthew 20, and we're going to talk about the vineyard, the first is last, the last is first. There's a lot of message in there on many levels. And you can read Matthew 20 and probably get 15 interpretations out of it. I mean, it, because it, 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 there, but there's a lot of relevance here, a reminder that those that came in first you're not getting extra pay out there because you came in first. That's that's kind of the message I take out of this in this relevant time. There's a lot more to it than that. But the denarius, you're not going to get more than one denarius right? because you came in early. Your mission is the same. And because you arrive at the 11th hour, you're not going to get like, you're not going to get an extra bonus or less. We need the kingdom together. And the foundation that's been laid, we're working together to come together. We have to unite as one body, regardless of what time we arrive, and regardless of where we are with our relationship with Christ. And this is an important piece. Meet each other where they are. Yes. And I think if, you know, one, one important component to the Matthew 20, or the Matthew 20 that, you're, that you're talking about, think about it like you can, and you can probably articulate this maybe even better than I will. It, it, think about it from a military perspective 
standpoint, you have guys that that went into the military, say, right after uh, 9-11 in 2001, and they may have done multiple tours, sometimes four or five, seven, eight, 11, whatever the number is. But there were people and, and men and women who were coming in just into the military at the time they may have been on their eighth deployment. And then those people have to go through boot camp. They got to go through all their other training and then they can deploy. And then that person may be on his 10th deployment and this guy's on his first. Yeah. No, it's, he's it's... not getting paid anymore, but he's got to teach the new people what to do. Cause he has the experience, you know, of combat. You know, and I first I got to us what we're getting at. I agree. I fully agree. When I got to first got to Afghanistan in 2006, there was a captain that I worked with and he said, he says, I'm going to guarantee you, if you continue to do what you're going to do, you are going to rise to be one of the go-to subject matter experts on the culture in Afghanistan. Now this was in June of 2006. Right. And the point of this is that guy happened and he, he was right because I ended up working right next to General Scott Miller and in Sipsake. And one of the things that I could bring was an understanding of things because I had been there so long, but it didn't make any difference. It, it, it's not like you're getting more pay, less pay, more recognition, less recognition. It was what I could, what you can bring to the fight to elevate the others. So when you have Navy SEALs now operating over in Zabal province, which they had no history of the fact that I had actually been exactly where they were with a small team in 2006, because the way that that war was fought was one year at a time, one war at a time. And all that information, believe it or not, was lost. They had no understanding that we had actually been right where they were literally four or four years earlier. And that I was able to provide continuity of a problem for them. It's like, I know where you are. I've been there. Matter of fact, we kind of had a bad run in over there with the Hakani network and a few other things. So my, my point of this is we all have something very significant to bring. And, and when we elevate up our experience together, we become mighty. I think there's another pretty important lesson here too in all of this. And it's been a real reflection this week, especially as we come out of Bard's Fest and we have people like Pastor Anthony Thomas, we have Shemaine Nugent, we've got Mark and Tina, Prophetics, we had Dave Bryant, and then we have that other side. We have Dr. Frank, who's like, you know, aggressive on the ground, teaching people how to do accountability with the vote. And we have the Joe Vega, Sergeant Major Joe Vega, like serious point of the spear type dude. And we have Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, same, right? Right. What we really come to appreciate, and this is the feedback I got from Glad Tidings, is that is they had said, like, what was so amazing about Bars Fest for them is to witness the love in Jesus and the the variety of talent and the ranges of talent mm-hmm. within the body of Christ. And that has to be said because we are now in a, this is a hot war. Let's be very clear about this. We, this is a hot war for God's children. And that is going to mean that on one end of the spectrum, there's going to have to be some justice delivered. And that may not make people comfortable. They're going to be like, that's God's job. I'm going to be like, well, that's why you have people on the tip of the spear that have that responsibility. And then you have the other extreme over here where you're going to have to have the complete healing and nurturing and, and, and standing up to the children mm-hmm. and, and restoring them into kingdom. And then somewhere in between, 
the entire community has to support one another so that one person isn't overburdened. That person back here that's restoring the child doesn't have any less burden than the person kicking in the door and introducing that pedophile to God. There's no difference in burden. They're equal, but we have to respect that in one another and where God places us. And I think that's the real eye-opener I hope that people are starting to realize is this isn't just about that story Jim Caviezel's telling. I mean, that's a glimpse. The greatest effort that isn't told in that story is how are we going to heal and restore those kids? And you need the whole spectrum to do it. I agree. And I think in the, the, the what Glad Tidings said, I think that's something they hadn't really been exposed to. They have a lot of events and they have a lot of neat people that come there. But the, but the, but the breadth and the depth of that event and for those of you who weren't able to go, I do hope you guys get to go to Kansas. In if it's your first time, it's not going to be like anything you have ever been to. It's not full on revival, although it is. And by the way, if you're one of those who's praying for a revival, you need to get in the game. The revival's already here. But when you get to Kansas, you're just going to have this. You're going to meet people who you've been visiting with and chatting with. And, and sometimes you may have connected with them, um, you know, in person, but you're just going to be meeting your family again. For those of you that went to the first Bards Fest, these are going to be completely different than that. It's at a whole other deeper level. God is just moving, moving so strongly. And even the folks that went to California, if you're going to go to Kansas, this Kansas is going to be different. And I think that is the, that is the uniqueness of what is being created and what is being executed through this family and through this and through Bards Nation. It's unlike anything that's out there. And in that in and of itself is very tip of the spear. It but is. you, you go ahead. No, no. Well, you said something that I think has to be really highlighted here. If you're waiting for the revival, get on board. It's happening now. Mm-hmm. Uh, carry it, man, go. Yeah, I mean, it is It is here. And um, I see it in different platforms. I hear it on, you know, different shows, my show, your show, and, and Duncan's show, and some other ones, and they're like, we're just, we need a revival. Man, it's here, it's here. And this movie is just another, uh, this movie wasn't the first salvo in the fight for it, it was, it was an assault on a, on a, on a beachhead. And, and now we've, we've, we've taken the beach at Normandy with this movie. And now we still have a further fight of a year and a half or two to take the rest of, you know, finish the rest of the, of the campaign in Europe. There was still fighting going on in the South Pacific at the same time. So that's what all of this is about. And the fight is here and it's been going on. It's been waging for a long time. Now you all get to have a huge, huge impact. And God's been tapping each of you on your heart and telling you to get involved. And you may have heard this before, but be like Peter, keep your eyes on Christ and step out of the boat and get to work. Now you're going to have an opportunity, I think, within, obviously within this family to be able to do different things. And Scott was really really good about explaining that if it's with children then it's with children think about this you can be a door knocker and approach that there is an end game to that but if you're dealing with the kids that were that that are coming out of that situation we're talking about a lifetime of work with them well this is the commission piece 
And, and I want to dig into that a little bit because it has been, and I told you this just before the show, mm-hmm. you and I chatted briefly. God put that commission on my heart a week ago this Thursday. So that in the, in the, what has transpired over the last eight days is stunning to me. The confirmations that have happened, the amount of things that have flooded forward. Every day it's been something. And it's, as I've also prayed into resources, because it will take a lot, those are already pouring in in different forms. It's like I always say, tell God what you need, give him a number, but also trust that he will deliver in many different ways. Don't just box him in. And that's literally how I approach it. So it is a lot of these things happening. But the commission's important because this isn't to be taken lightly. And as God showed me and encouraged me to go back and read Joshua in the sacking of, of Jericho and what happened when the temple was violated. Now, I know this sounds very ominous, but I'm really putting this out here very seriously. We are talking about God's children. And as the word he gave to me is, whomever controls the children controls the world. You will not be free until my children are free. Right. All right. That's a pretty clear. I mean, there's really not like, okay. It, right. Kind of black and white. It is. Okay. <laughs> that's a value. We, the only time Jesus goes straight up gangster is when he talks about do not harm the little ones. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell this and I say this is I am not. I am in no way trying to make some sort of intimidating statement, but I really, we need to go biblical on this. Accepting this commission is like being in Joshua's army. There are things that will be asked, things that we will do, and it is a commitment to your life and your heart to march this. I don't, you know, not everybody was in the ranks of Joshua's army, but if you were there, as we see, you accepted the commission of what that meant. And like when God said, don't sack the temple and somebody sacked the temple. It's like, well, that's kind of bad for you because the only way out of that was for Joshua, as God instructed, to burn all their things and stone that family. Now, today yep. we get a lot of the softness. We go, oh, well, you know, Christ we, Christ died for our sins. That's not going to happen anymore. I got news. We still read the Old Testament and we have the new. They are stories that have a story arc together. Consequences with God are still real. So... I only say this is I want anybody that's called to be part of this, but pray into it, get clear what you're doing and step into this with the heart that God leads you into it. Don't be playing around on this because this is a very, very big, serious and kingdom level mission. And I don't think that we've seen in my experience in when it comes to kids, I see a lot of amazing dedication. People are tied to this, but There's something about this that he's put before us here in Bars Nation that is is significant in so many levels, and it really has to be understood that this is a gift. It's also a responsibility beyond much of what we've done in this world. I think it um, it it elevates the the phrase that you use. We were made for a a time such as this. And he has us here with a purpose and for some, well, everybody who is looking for a purpose to add to, to, to something in their life, you have an opportunity to not just go, well, it's time to get up. I have to have my coffee. I get to get in my car. I get to go to my job. I get to do lunch at 11 or 12. And then I do this and then I go home and, and then I may go to the gym and then I get to go home and then I get to listen to some whatever. 
this is this is what he what you're saying is this is a different level of of action and you're going to be asked and required of you um was it was it doc that it it, it was doc when you were at your hundred percent you need to tap into the other 50 percent that's past that and you're going to be asked to do above that into that 50 percent and it is i think something that you you're stressed really well this is serious it's not like going to the movie theater and watching it on the screen you're going to actually be doing work yes yeah, this happened. And, this was something that erupted in chat last night, and and it's not. I'm not calling out anybody in particular. It's just there was a, a disconnect with somebody I, I really respect in our chat, and there was a lot of tension that flowed through. And it was like, when are we going to stop talking? When are we going to start doing? And here's the thing: what is different about where God has led this group, and it goes back to the seven pillars of county by county. What that has done is it's demonstrated something very profound. And what it is, is that the church is within us. So we didn't need to have an organizational top head that we raised a bunch of money for and built a nonprofit around to then t- talk about sending out somebody that would have a, have a meeting or a rally in a community and say, okay, rah, 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 we're going to go do something good for the county. This was completely decentralized. And... Mm-hmm. In the process, there were seven pillars that you could plug in anywhere you want in your life. And all of them shaped a concept that as you work through one, you can add another. And it built a concept of the living church within our community where we step into the world trusting in God. There's different ways that each of those pillars shapes out in different people's lives. Not everybody does a garden the same way. Not everybody's going to do homeschooling. Not everybody's going to do a home church the same way. But nonetheless, it's all there. This is very similar. There's a structure. We're talking about it. We're going to provide with this. There's going to be more training with this because there's some pretty specific skills that need to be understood. But how those are implemented and how you're called is going to be so important to understand that that has value, right? Yeah. And you're going to need to know your own limitations. You may want to go do certain things that may be... what you want, but it's definitely not what God needs. And you're going to need to be able to be adult and you're going to need to be um, very reasoned with yourself in what it is that God has you placed into. You can do the additional pillars. That's neat because what you see, you're, you're cross training in, in, in several different skill sets, but what you just kind of said, it made me think of, of um, <laughs> you know, people that you used to work with. The SEALs operated in one way. You know, uh, the Rangers operate in a different way. The Green Berets operate in a different way. Delta operates in a different way, but they all operate. And they, they have different styles and techniques. Everybody's going to be able to bring those, those things to the table. And each one of those pieces is significant in and of itself to the whole. Yep. I, I agree when you this. get it, go ahead. Well, I, there's something here that's important because, I mean, as you as we're building this network, and and somebody say today that you know they want they talk to people about children, and they find that people turn a deaf ear; they don't want to hear it. That's going to be common, but yep. the way this begins is with each of us. 
We're not, you're not going to get through this process if you aren't clearing yourself of the issues of stuff we have. So we begin internal, but there's so many skills before each person to learn right now. Everybody that wants to start be involved in this has something to do, whether it's common law, whether it's learning how to research online, whether it's how to build a human terrain and a political terrain map of your community, whether it's learning about trauma care and emotional trauma care, learning deliverance, intercession prayer, healing prayer, how to homeschool, how to, how to teach kids skills, the skills they need to learn. I can go on a list of things, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. learning about the Constitution, learning, learning about how, that's, how you're going to organize your structure, uh, learning how to podcast, all these things. So there's a multiple of skills that everyone should be learning if you aren't already. And these are things now to be understand that we're tailoring this in this motion forward now. The mission focus is now children. So if you are out here and you are one that's, say, doing what Dr. Frank is doing and you're going door to door and you're validating vote, you have an important play here because you're literally eyes on ground looking at people's lives and, and, and talking to them as an opportunity to engage them face to face about a vote that relates to, did you know this is going on with children? And you can mm-hmm. start talking and engaging. This is a community level effort that's going to ultimately wrap everything around this unbelievable goal of, of cutting the legs out from the cabal. And as a community level, county by county operation, Remembering that everybody is a censor. That's a term that we use in, is used in the military. Everybody is a censor. Your eyes are open. You're paying attention now to your community. You're drawing in the attention together. And we're starting to understand each other to really sort out those that are truly evil and those that then the, and that is this like accusations or misinterpretations, but it's important now for us to all be transparent and clear of where we stand. And it's really a big step. It's how you take back your country. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ultimately it's, it's, it's not necessarily who's going to be in the white house. It's not even necessarily who may even be your governor, but that is the place that you can begin. And you're, you're able to, like you just said, you're going to know your community. You're going to know your county. So when evil does try to creep in, and it will creep in, Satan necessarily doesn't knock on the front door. He's going to try to come in the side door or the back door. And if you guys have those covered, then he's less apt to have any kind of ingress into your lives. Personally, that's why a relationship with Christ and everyday relationship is important and imperative but what he's talking about here is doing the same thing within your community and it starts in your home and then it expands out into your neighborhood and then it expands out exponentially that way. And that's, that's the fight. That's how they did it. That's how they did it in 1776 and 1783. And they were ultimately successful. They were. And yes. Through a lot of trials and tribulations, they signed that Declaration of Independence. And what did they do? They were fighting, you know, rear guard actions as they were trying to, you know, displace out of out of New York and into, and into New Jersey. And then they had to go into Pennsylvania. Well, and it wasn't until six months later they got back on Christmas. Well, here's a perspective on this as well. I mean, anybody that's been listening to me lately, I mean, I am literally like wielding the axe when it comes to the LGBT community. And including those that were preceding that, which are the gay and lesbian community, because they're being quiet about mm-hmm. the kids. And, it, and, I, and I just, that incenses me. 
Okay. But I'm also going to say honestly that in this moment in time, not everybody is a pedophile. And I say this very importantly because there are, there's a multitude of families out here that love their children. What we need to see as well is this opportunity of bringing people to the table and seeing how mm-hmm. God is going to work this ministry through the body of Christ. So if you've got the atheist out here that's going like, I don't like any of your Christian stuff, and you're like, okay, do you believe in kids? Do you love your children? I will guarantee you if they have kids, they're going to tell you yes. And if you can show them what you're doing and say, this is what our mission is, you're going to bring them in. Now, will they stay an atheist? My guess is probably not. When they start to get into that foxhole and they realize what this is up to, that's the opportunity to demonstrate through our walk in Christ with the power of what we do through healing, through ministry, through healing and restoration of the children. And this is an opportunity to bring more people in. It goes, I, I, could, I said this to somebody today. It's like, look, if we get in this fight and somebody out there and there is the gay and lesbian, they've got love for their children, I'm not going to turn them away because I'm going to expose them to the power of Jesus and what we do. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work on their heart because mm-hmm. I will guarantee you there will be some real moments here of having to confront who they are, what they are, what they're doing, and what that means in terms of kingdom. But this is, a, this is an amazing moment where God is like, I'm giving you a mission and I'm opening up doors and you're going to build it through Bard's Nation and you're going to literally take this into the world and you are each going to carry the light of the church within you and you're going to walk in my passion. The enemy will have no idea which way you're going to hit him because you're taking your commands from me. You're all working together with a unified plan and organization to understand what direction you're going. And along the way, you're going to pick up a whole bunch of other people. Show them. Demonstrate to them. Let them see the power of the Holy Spirit and what it is to heal children and watch how it transforms my world. It will save a nation, like you already said. Mm-hmm. And then more importantly, it's going to save lives and not just the physical lives of saving people from bad people but it's going to save lives in an eternal way. Oh, yeah. and that is ult- Yeah. That's ultimately, that's ultimately, obviously with everything being God centered, God based, that is ultimately our primary, you know, number one mission is to bring people to Christ. And you just said it, you're going to have people who are atheists and agnostic. You may have folks who have a guy who has a husband and they may be on board. Ultimately we get to remember that the judgment is is the the final judgment is God's. He's going to deal with them, but He's also going to use you and us to impact their life in such a way that it is, like you said just a second ago, going to give them pause and time to reflect on what it is that they're doing. Like you and I talked about the other day, I think that part of their silence is because if they step out and they start taking a stand against this, they know it's primarily. The focus is on their community right now. It's in the straight community too, in the heterosexual community. And the numbers will probably be more shaded in that in that direction than it is necessary in the LGBTQ um, community. But it is significant there as well. But their silence is because of their own conviction. Or and guilt. Our act- Go ahead. Or guilt. Or guilt. Yeah, yeah. guilt. And okay. so they they're, we're going to be, like you said, we're going to get to be that light. Well, there, there's a couple of things I want to point out that I think are extremely important. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the, it's all along the same line. So 
the the responsibility we're being given, and it's always said, where much is given, much is asked. And we're now leading an effort to save the children. But this is a highly emotional and potentially toxically emotional subject that creates irrationality. The story I shared the other night, which God put before me literally, and it just, it made me take huge pause. And it went like this. There was a, this is in Australia. There was a wife and a husband. They'd been married for a number of years. They had five kids. Somewhere along the way, she gets hooked on meth. And though I'm kind of filling in the blanks after what I've read, it seems to appear as what happens is she gets hooked up with her meth buddies and in the process trying to make favor to get more drugs. One of the dudes in that group is a self-proclaimed pedo hunter. So she lets them into their house. They kidnap the husband, stick him in the trunk of a car. He sits there in the sun for 23 hours. They then drag him out, tie him to a table, torture him with a chainsaw to make a confession, and then shoot him in the back of the head. Here's the deal. The entire thing was a lie. Now, I say this because here's the great caution and why this base in which God is building upon us, we're not building the point of the spear stuff. We are building a, an asset in a community, which I'm referring to as a First Amendment militia approach, to where we are building the healing centers, we are building the intelligence cells, and we are building the communication cells. But intelligence has to be vetted and verified, and we have to be careful on this topic and responsible with the Holy Spirit how we lift up names and point fingers, because we are not the judge and jury here. God is. Mm. And if we are not careful, you can turn an entire community on its head. So the responsibility that goes back to the whole point of the commission, pray on it, step into it and understand the responsibility that God is extending. This is no different than going the crashing of the walls in Jericho and giving the, the, the right, the green light to kill every man, woman, child and donkey in a city. Think about that. That's not small. And this is the level of intensity in which we carry in this mission. It carries huge responsibility. And the only people that can carry it correctly are those that are walking in the Holy Spirit and in love with Jesus. It's imperative. It is imperative because one mistake is a mistake. You know, that example you gave, that man was innocent and he's not here anymore because somebody wanted to, you know, front or bluster, pretend, and whatever. And so you're, you're, you're just a hundred percent correct. And I think it's going to, there will be some vetting, definitely be some vetting that goes on after a lot of praying. And you may, someone may bring someone to the table and they're just not, it just won't fit. It just has to be even keeled and very reasoned. But when it's time to be active, they'll be active. And it's not, like you said, it's not the tip of the spear type stuff. It is the back end that is the most important. The millstones will be there, but the children who've had either eight months to eight years to 12, however long, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work that goes into just that one child. And that's where the focus needs to be the most, in my opinion. Like you, like it is, like you already have it that way. It is them that that we're focused on. God ultimately will deal with the bad actors, one way or the other. We all know, like I just said earlier, in the end, that judgment day is coming. Their knee will bow. 
or or something like that. Yeah, I mean, or or something like that. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, here's the thing too. I mean, when we see these children, and I, and I think this is important to put this in context, and this is why this becomes such a difficult mission, a commission, mm-hmm. and why it needs so much prayer involved in around this all the time. This is a constant prayer, praise endlessly and ceaselessly, never ending. Right. Those children that we're witnessing right here, the, just to take the, the movie, that the two children that are represented as, as the the bigger problem with child sex trafficking, they eventually will, if they are if they are moved into this, they become the future groomers. So those children that we're in love with in that film, because of the trauma that they're put through, will become groomers in the future. So where, yeah, where does they're going to learn to survive? Right. So where does God's heart sit? And I can guarantee you where God hearts, God's heart sit. He wants them to be saved. Now that is a tough one right there because we're like, oh, hold on a minute. You're telling me that God wants a pedophile saved. I'm telling you that a person that has been groomed and put on a channel that knows no difference, I would say yes. A person that by their free will steps into evil and becomes evil, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we're not going to know that until we take time to build the map. And that was exactly what God told me in January. And it's so incredible when I look back on this past seven months. He's like, my trip down, and I shared it on the show. And I was so frustrated because we had got through spending two weeks or three weeks on that, that whole subject of a loving, forgiving heart. Mm-hmm. And, and we're dealing with that around the topic of COVID. And then Balenciaga issue comes up. And there you have this open exploitation of kids. And I literally took it to the throne. I said, Father, what do you want me to do with this one? Because quite frankly, a loving, forgiving heart doesn't sell well. I Exactly what I said. And it's, and it's not in my heart either. Right. right and, 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 and his comment to me was, literally said, who's your enemy? And I sat there and I said, I can't find it. He says, Exactly. He said, now do you understand why I need you to master a loving and forgiving heart? Justice is mine, and you need to trust in me on this. And I said, got it. So building out this system the way we are, we're talking about informational, we're talking about intelligence, and we're talking about the healing part. At some point, there will be a point of the spear front end of this. It's going to happen. It's going to be, it's already been shown, and I can see it. But it's going to be leveraging off of a network of intimacy in the problem and a network that's built on the prayer and the healing aspect of this to be able to discern where that line of no return is and always at some point focused on the recovery of the children, the rescue of the children to bring them into the network knowing that the network can heal and restore. And that, that group out there, I mean, just so I say it, like what you see with the concept of, of the story that Jim Caviezel played, that group that I personally have worked with, that I have access to, those types of people, let me mm-hmm. tell you, they're primed and ready. <laughs> they just need one thing. They need a vetted and verifiable intelligence. That's what they need. And we don't have it. That's the Not issue yet. right there. So if people are worried about, well, how, what about these pedophiles? Let me tell you, I'm, I'm less concerned about the source problem as I am with the local problem who's the consumer of this damn stuff, the pedophile that's sitting in your neighbor who's consuming child porn, or your, your boss 
quietly is buying buying access to a child on the weekend and you don't know about. Those are the real problems. And those are people that have to be dealt with. And the one thing I'll say, and I'm just pointing this out, and it's not any inference made, but when you're looking at most of these programs that are out here rescuing kids, I want to stress this. I don't know of really any right now that are focusing on the United States. That's a problem to me. We are the number one consumer of this garbage. I was just about to, I was just, I'm glad you said that. And because you, you brought two things together, you brought local people who were doing bad things. And then that made me think of just exactly that. The movie is based overseas and in South America. But you, what you just said is really important, and it plays it at the end of the movie too. But the United States is the is the largest consumer, which means that they're here, and it's and the kids are here too. And many of you have seen the stories where kids are rescued. There's 15 rescued, 20 rescued here, you know, and that sort of thing. And I would probably wager that it's going on in pretty much every county in the United States. There's what over 3000, you know, that's why it is important to know who your sheriff is. Are they being active? You know, do they have a team that, that is doing that kind of work? And if they don't, why not? And can you be the one that talks to your sheriff and gets that going or your police chief, but primarily your sheriff and (laughs) Get it done locally. It has to be local. We have to affect mm-hmm. local in order to change the whole perspective. This is the local action is where you have an impact. And, and that is where you can have a tangible impact. By the way, there's 3,007 counties mm-hmm. in, in the United States or the equivalent. Where there's equivalent number of 135. So there's an t- equivalent number of, because some aren't called counties, 3,142 counties in the right. United States. Imagine a country that we build, and I'm saying it just that way intentionally, where we have 3,142 of these operation vineyards in, meaning at a local level where you have a safe place where healing and restoration of the children, you have an intelligent cell that's doing constant and perpetual vigilance of human mapping to understand what's going on in the county and to keep people unaware so that when somebody tries to move in, it's you, uns- you know something's changed. And you have a way to communicate that and put light on the problem at a county level. I'm going to tell you right now, evil's not going to find goodness here. And they're going to be away. And then with that, you can move into the other dimensions of that, like the common law, people's jur- grand jury. You can get into militias. You can get into all that other stuff. But those three elements right there, the three keys of that, You are securing your county with the most powerful tools we have, which is using information and truth to shed light on the problem and watch how these cockroaches run, because they will. And the part that we have to emphasize is when you're identifying somebody locally, for example, that is a porn addict, what does that give us opportunity for? It gives us opportunity to intercede on behalf of, of the kingdom to use prayer and in discussions to engage and to bring somebody to Christ to seek repentance and forgiveness within God's eyes. That is so important. Jeffrey Dahmer, I love to throw it out here. It makes people uncomfortable. He accepted Christ. Just saying. So did the thief on the cross. Yes, you're right. You know, and think of the, think of the peripheral 
impact that 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 kind of activity will have, not just on the trafficking, but on the drug use, on the addiction, on on putting families back together who are broken, regardless of um, what is happening um, as far as the 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 little ones. And I say we say little ones. It's, you know, in the movie they're little, you know, eight to 12 years old. I mean, there are runaways, they're 17, 18, 19 years old. Those, those are just as traffic as two, but I think the impact it's going to have on a lot of negative things that are going on within our cities and in our communities and our counties, those are going to be equally affected. We'll see a diminishing of those two gang activity. You're going to see churches become stronger. I believe and the weak ones are going to go away. You're going to have less addiction. You're going to have more hope. You're going to have more people drawn closer to God, which is, again, the primary focus of all of this. And then um, then the attacks are going to get harder. They're going to come stronger. They're going to come more overt. And then they're also going to come more covert. There'll be a lot more silent. Sin will never go away until Christ comes back. That's the truth right there. So I want to close with a, a pivot a little bit here. Sure. You and bet. It, it goes to Bars Fest. Right. And one I consider to be, we had great speakers. We had a great event. We're going to have another one coming up. It's going to be different but equally powerful. But there's one aspect of this Bards Fest that will continue forward that was different than <laughs> Bards, Bards, Bards Fest 1. And to me, the most important and probably the most amazing part of the entire festival. And it was the meal of breaking bread, which happened Wednesday evening, twice on Thursday, and twice on Friday because we had lunch and dinner. And you were the master of the chef, master of the grills. And I just want you to talk about your perspective on that because you gave and your team gave everything to Bars Fest. You didn't attend hardly hardly attended any of the lectures you had your you had it remote out there on your cell phone or on the iPads but mm-hmm. you guys dedicated yourself completely to cooking and serving food for two and a half days talk about it it was it was neat and it was daunting Duncan and I got there Tuesday and then um you texted um you texted me and said you know Jonathan from Amarillo is going to come he brought his whole family and his boys helped put we had four smokers we had to put together they put them together a lot better than Duncan and I did our one. All right. There were four Duncan and I did one. That's why we put one together and we, and we did it well. And then, and then it just grew. It was not, <clears throat> there were some people that had, you know, said that we, and they'd like to volunteer and they, and they showed up. And then there were some guys and some folks that stayed and they cooked and they, they didn't get to spend as much time inside as they liked. And then there were people that would come by and they would help and they'd help for an hour or 30 minutes. They'd help pick up, they'd help clean, but then it just became a thing. And you just find yourself with this group of people that God's put there together. And it was anxious sometimes to be cooking so much across four different, you know, elements of, of smokers and then hoping that the food's ready and praying that you have it done correctly. And that you know, no one's going to either throw up or die. Those are the 
two main goals of cooking. No, you don't want anybody to throw up or die. If none of that happens, it's a success. <laughs> and the <laughs> and the group of people who then we had two guys that were like one of um Matt um XJ Fisher, he was like, Hey, Colleen, I want to get baptized. And that's when I came to you and I said, Hey, can and DJ I said, can, you know, can we get baptized? He's like, you bet. That inspired some things that happened. And so and the, you call it the team that I put together. It God, honestly, and this is no joke. I had no intention of just going, you, you, and you and you are going to do this, this, and this. It was just, hey, what can I do to help? Hey, we need to do this and and this. And then and then one of the guys from Oregon, he went with me. We didn't get a whole lot of sleep. We were we were shopping late at night. And then we get a couple hours, you know, four hours of sleep or so or five. And then I'd be up in the morning and then going picking up more food at whatever place I could go get food at and then plan lunch. And then when lunch would be over, if we we would have to go back to the store and we'd have what, four hours before dinner. And so you had people that were there. There were times that they were able to go inside when I had to go to the store, but they just came together and we had enough cutting boards. We had some sharp knives and we had some not so sharp knives and people dealt with that. And we got creative, you know, we just, we made, we smoked queso. We smoked a lot of queso, which now in Kansas, we're not, we may make queso, but we're also going to turn into that homemade mac and cheese. But it, it was just, a, it was awesome. It was great. And you asked me when you asked me the first time and you called me and said, Hey, do you want to cook? I said, you bet. And I've never cooked for, he said, plan on, what did you tell me? What was the original number? Like 400, 400 900, yeah, 900, 900, 900, 900. And then I had to go in the bathroom and change my pants after he said that. And then I answered, yes, I'll do that. <laughs> But then it, it whittled down to four, and um, and then on Tuesday night he said, "We let's just cook some steaks for us." And it was going to be me and you and Duncan and I think Jennifer Renee and some other people. And fifteen minutes later, he goes, "Hey, how about 30? Why not? We'll just turn the fire up harder, and we'll we'll light two or three of them on fire and get going." And um, and that's really what kicked it off. Really, was that evening. Yes. with the speakers and, 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 and it set the tone. And after that, it just rolled. It was painful sometimes, you know, um, walking, you know, on your feet for 18 hours a day, you know, 17 hours a day on the concrete, but whatever, man, it was just great. And I told one of the guys, I think I told you this earlier, the later too, he's like, I wish I was in there and I could see the speakers and I could listen to the speakers. I was like, man, think about this. Everybody has got to come see you at least two times a day, each day. They're coming to see you and what you're putting out here on the tables. And this, I promise you, the speakers are going to come first and they're going to come hang around. Sure enough, Doc would hang around the table. We were feeding Joe. You know, Coy hung around. Joe hung around. And, and that was neat because they got to talk to them in a completely different manner than inside, you know, inside the building. And it was just, it was awesome. And it was, it, you could feel the Holy Spirit. You could really could. The Holy Spirit was just working and moving. And he was, it was present. It was present. And I have never, ex I haven't experienced anything like that. I didn't, ex I experienced a lot of neat things in Missouri 
at the at the original Bards Fest. This was completely different. I'm super excited because Kansas is going to be even more different. It's going to be more outdoors. It's going to be a completely different setup, which means completely different kinds of, you know, a style of cooking and a way of cooking. People bringing their gifts and talents into that too. We're obviously going to eat a little more healthy. So be prepared for more salads and more fruit, more fruit salads and things like that. But we're going to do some bread and, you know, ribs and whatever it is that God says, hey, you're going to make, make. But the best thing about it, and I heard a lot about this, Scott, I, I heard this so, so much. People were so excited to be able to just come and eat and do exactly what you said. And that is break bread and fellowship. They had a good time. You even came out a couple of times like, hey, get them inside. We, right. No, it's we, true. We, we got to get this thing going again. So a, a couple so, of th- a couple of things on this as we kind of wrap this up because it's pretty powerful. Well, number one, punk, I talked to uh, Punky today, and yeah, she she's going to be she's there. Sweet. She's coming, and her whole family is coming in the next one. They're going to be she's going to be leading the kids program. But she said to tell you she's going to be making tacos with you. So just so you we're know. we're having tacos one day for lunch. We may even have pizza. Yeah, for lunch one time. We're yeah. definitely having pizza. We'll make that happen. I think the other thing to really take away from this, and it's something I, I want everybody to take away from this. The breaking bread was the objective that God put that on my heart for these Bards Fests. It was awaken the warrior heart and break bread. And we didn't appreciate, I mean, you couldn't appreciate the magnitude of it until you saw it happen. But it was it was unbelievable. But Glad Tidings surprisingly told me, and I, I was surprised at this, that they've never had an event where that happened. So they witnessed something that was profound because typically, and I've been to these events, they people go out into town and go get food and they come back. Well, it breaks the entire feel. Everybody stayed. Yeah. So the final part of this, that I just want everybody to really take in their heart, and that is what we experience there can be experienced anywhere in your community. Breaking bread is a powerful experience. You bring people together over food and many things change. I've talked about this on the show with how much progress in Afghanistan, just so we're clear. The most I ever carried was a nine millimeter. Most of my work was done without even body armor on sitting in front of these people that sometimes ate so disgustingly it made me want to get sick. But my point being... Sheep what? Yeah, exactly. But we made we were able to bridge huge distances by literally breaking bread with rice and goat. We don't have to eat goat, don't have to eat rice. You don't even have to have bread, though it's kind of nice. Sit down, break bread with somebody, talk to them face to face. The food is the bridge. And it was what we saw there. And you know, it was amazing to go out every time for me, because you know I was moving around a lot. And there, when I walked out there every time, people didn't want to leave the fellowship. They enjoyed it. They came in to talk. That wasn't it. But, I mean, they were so engaged in these conversations with people they didn't even know before. That's the power of what we bring to this. And it's never to be forgotten. The Sermon on the Mount is a reminder of the power of this. And we need to bring that into everything we do in our life. That even when things get tough, man, like crank up the grill, throw on some steaks, cook some chili, make some soup, do something, make some bread, sit people down and say, okay, enough is enough. Let's talk and let's eat and let's enjoy. And that's really it. That's the way. It is. 
All right, so we're going to pray. I'm going to have you start the prayer, and I'll finish it. Go. Okay. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for loving your kids the way that you do. Thanks for putting your kids here right now in this time, in this place, like my brother says so often. Thank you for having the faith in us to execute the plan that you want us to do, which is ultimately to bring more people who are wayward, who are lost, who are have no idea what's going on in their lives, that we could just show them what a relationship with you is like, where there's very little anxiousness, where there's very little fear. There's no trepidation. There's nothing but love and what real love is about. Thank you for sacrificing your son on the cross so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can have a relationship with him every single day. They don't have anybody to talk to. They're looking to fill voids. Father, you have filled that for us. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this family. This is a tremendous family. Thank you for this man. Thank you for this man who listened to you. Some of you guys have been listening for six months. Some of you have been listening for four or five years. It has been an amazing thing, Father, to watch the journey you put this man on. Thank you for letting us all be a part of it. It is always, always in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus, we just want to thank you for being with us here tonight and just a reminder of all that we have before us and equally the true gift of a huge commission put before us to do something that is so precious in kingdom, to rescue, to heal, and to restore the children. And we know that this is just the beginning steps. And we're blessed with just all the hearts that have come to this and the hearts of, that have given themselves to kingdom in the walk in you with you, Christ Jesus. And with that, the reminder too, the importance of us taking time to reflect on these simpler things. This work is heavy. This work is going to be intense. It's consuming. And so it happens is when we sit in these cycles and it becomes so consuming, we cease to hear you because our hearts get full with the pain that's out there. So Jesus, we're just praying tonight that as people have sat here no matter where they are, no matter what, where they are with you in that relationship, that we're going to meet them in one place. We're going to meet them with that, just that image, that place to be a breaking bread, to take some time to reflect, to take some time to share something less burdensome, to let you heal their heart. And in so doing, to let a conversation like this, and we're just so blessed with people like Jim that have been here and have been part of this community, have started a podcast, started to communicate his, his way of seeing the world and the body of Christ. These are the things we need to continue to elevate. So with everyone that's here tonight, Jesus, we just ask that that moment can be there where they literally, each one is able to take a moment of breath, to breathe in, to breathe in the Holy Spirit, to take a pause, let the noise of all the pains and then the frustrations and burdens of the world set it aside for a minute. And just take a moment to break bread with you, Jesus. Invite you to the table. Let you sit down and welcome you in. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right on, right on, right on. Well, brother, this was a great conversation. Appreciate you so Bet much. You, it's awesome. Appreciate everything you did at Bars Fest. Appreciate the team. So I say it openly, that team that you had around you. And they just, were awesome. They were awesome. Everybody out there, you know who you are. 
just awesome team. And we're going to have it again, and it's going to be a great festival. It's going to be, we're going to continue with this. And this whole thing now, Operation Vineyard, it is alive. So I just want to share one thing with you last night. It's pretty powerful. Just It's a personal thing, but I just want to kind of share this. And I was talking to Brad Cummings. They were talking late. We're having a great call. And um, he says, uh, you know, he said, I've been listening to your Operation Vineyard. And he says, he just kind of started out pretty, pretty, pretty casual. He's like, you know, solid plan, well, well considered, good first steps that are executable that each person can bite into. And then he continues. He says, um, Scott, he goes, you're a smart guy, but you're not so smart to have come up with those three words. And I was like, man, where is this going? Because this is the the restoration, the rescue, heal, restoration. He said, those three words, those three simple words would be the only three words that would sum up the entire Bible. And he said, when I heard you say that, I knew you had heard the living God. Because wow. he said, for all that you said, and, his, and he said, You're, you approach brilliant. But he said, that would have taken somebody years and a lifetime of study to water down the Bible to three words. And he said, and there they were. And when I heard that, he said, I looked and I said, oh my goodness. Father, he's heard your voice. And then he says, do you remember what I was involved in in Malibu? And I had to think for a minute. And I go, oh, yeah, you were part of the Malibu project, the Malibu Vineyard project. He said, yes. And do you remember what you told me was the prophecy that God put on your heart? And I said, yes, I do. I told you that what you had in the anointment of the Malibu project would be restored and returned. And he said, exactly. He says, when I heard you say that, that the Operation Vineyard my heart went to the 13 years of the Malibu Vineyard project that I was with. And he said, I know now that God is moving. This is huge. Hmm. I want you to, I want people to hear that because this is an, a really anointed gift that's been given. It's profound. It's stirring hearts. It's putting people's hearts in the right place. Everybody can be part of this. Pray into it. Understand it's a commission. Step in. Be bold. Be fearless and make sure you understand what you're committing to because it's a big step, but it's good. So how's that? Hmm? That is, that's awesome. That's almost like ribs with bacon. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to, admit, gonna, you're going to have to admit defeat here. I am. I'm going to let you have this moment in front of everybody. Yeah. All right. In front of everybody. All right. That's why so, I brought it up. Yeah. So I'm just going to say it the other day and you all know for 4th of July, I did, I think it was 4th of July. It might've been 4th of the July 3rd something like that, July yeah. 3rd. So here's the deal. I did ribs with, I, I did a smoked rib, slow roasted with a bacon top on it. I just wove bacon and laid it on top. And I sent the picture to Jim, and he sends me back a picture of a roast smoked pork butt that had been turned into beautiful pork, pulled pork. And I asked you what? What did I ask you? <laughs> Does it have any bacon? Right. And so and Jim, I, said, I said, no, mine doesn't need bacon. <laughs> except there's, you can't compete with ribs and bacon. I'm sorry. That's right. You can't, you can't. And Hey, what did you glaze it with? Again. Oh, I, so I did a, I did a honey glaze with a dry rub and I had apple juice 
Yeah. Or, I know. I don't think that one had apple juice. I had honey water actually instead of mm-hmm. apple juice as the steam underneath it. It was awesome. It was a yes. coffee. It was a coffee chili dry rub. With that's a, the best. Right. That's it. It's coffee chili dry rub with a with a drizzle of honey all over the ribs on each side with a bacon top put on it as they slow roasted. By the way, that bacon, dude, that bacon. Oof. It's on point, isn't oh, it? Oh, man. It's hey, like, thanks, you know, thanks for raising the bar for Kansas now. Oh, yeah, you got it now. <laughs> it is so good. Oh, man. It was like the bacon was like crispy and, and, and with a bark on one side and soft and delicate on the other side. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was like a candy. I was like, I was like, I want to get that on a stick and then I can go to the store and go, I want to bake it on a stick, please. Bake it on a stick. Hey, was that good? They got bards on a stick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm telling you. I'm coming to you with my hat in my hand and my silver medal. Yeah. You won the gold one for that day. Well, you you absolutely won pure gold on Bards Fest. So I had I had at least take one round. That's all. Well, you did. You did, baby. You did. It was good. (laughs) It's awesome. It was good. All right, Patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, see you on Sunday night for Peace Be Still. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the
the feet.